This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey everybody, what's going on? Rob Sestrinino, and I'm so thrilled to be here today with somebody who had such a roller coaster ride here on Survivor 43, our own Charlie Brown of Survivor. Here is Owen Knight. Owen, how are you? I'm great, Rob. It's great to see you. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm, I've been looking forward to this for, for years, honestly. Yeah, well, it's really cool. Uh, so we we have an hour to spend together today. So I'm very excited to hear from you about your uh, entire experience. And I have, there's so much to jam in there. But you're just such an interesting figure, I feel like, to talk about. Because I think that you're such an avatar for all of the different people that watch the the show and listen to the podcast. And, and, and I'm sure like uh, and you talk about this in the final tribal council about how you you ha- must have had a vision of like, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to have this perfect experience and I am prepared for everything and I'm going to go out there and everything is going to go exactly the way I want it to because I've been waiting for this moment. And few things did go the way that you had planned going into this whole experience. Yeah, very, very little did. And it's it's funny because I, I even remember like Chris Underwood saying something similar. It's like, oh, I had this vision of playing a perfect game. And that's kind of how I felt going in or my, what were my dreams and aspirations going in. Um, for those who don't know, you know, I've been in the Survivor casting pipeline for a good while now. I found the show again during Millennials versus Gen X. I found RHAP shortly after and have been really obsessing over the show and was fortunate enough to get in the casting door during the David versus Goliath cycle. So I actually, you know, did the interviews and all that and was almost on that season. So just I've been this close to being on the show for years and years. So it's been in my head, like at front of mind for so long. So I've had all these machinations and plans and strategies. And then to get finally on the beach and make it through casting and, and be there in the sand. And then my tribe doesn't want to strategize. It was just like, what what is happening? Like, what show am I on? It was really just jarring in a way because I was raring to go. I was so excited. And then I really had to pivot quickly. And it was it was stressful at first. Can you talk a little bit about your journey to finally getting onto the show in Survivor 43? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I got cut, I guess that would have been 2018 after really like going through basically as far as you can without getting on a plane, basically. And that was devastating. It really crushed me feeling like I had done pretty well. I was so close. This was this like 
reinvigoration of a childhood dream. And it was like so close to coming to fruition. And then I became obsessed with it. I really did. I was scouring the internet. I was looking for Lloyd Kinto's tips on Reddit. I was listening to all these interviews. I was listening to Dan Giesling's podcast of like how to get on reality TV, how to get on it. And I think a lot of my other interests really got pushed to the back and it was not healthy, honestly. And if there's any takeaway I have for other people, it's like, if you have gone through casting or if you're going through it, like, don't let it overtake your whole life because it it really can. I know firsthand, Um, but it's ironic because eventually it got to the point where I was just like, I'm going to give it my best shot. I'm going to make the best video I can and I'm going to send it off. And if it doesn't work out, I am fine. My life is great. I'm good. I'm very content with work and my personal life and my relationship and everything. And if Survivor never happens, I'm okay. And the first time I said that ended up being the cycle that I got on. So I think, I don't know if it was some, you know, universal intervention or whatever, but I think that shifting in my mindset really helped me. And I think helped me, you know, land on my feet better in the game. Did you do something different after you shifted that mindset? Not even with, with the video. I think it's just, I wasn't stressing about it as yeah. much. And, and I think maybe it was karma. I don't know. Okay. So then it came to you, Survivor 43, uh, you go out there and, you know, uh, you talked about how you uh, imagined seeing your name in the opening credits, <laughs> which the editors uh, were kind enough to do yes, for you. Yes, thank you to them. Yeah. And you end up on uh, this uh, this Baca tribe and uh, you end up with people who, you know, and I've gone back and, you know, watch rewatch this first episode when I went back and looked at everything with Gabler. And, you know, this was not a, a tribe that was uh, really into gaming. It seemed like uh, for the most part, it was very much uh, a kumbaya tribe. Very much so. I was I was pretty appalled, honestly, because I knew I've I've watched enough of the show. I knew I wasn't gonna like take someone off and say, "Ooh, we need to get Sammy out. We need to get Janine out." I wasn't gonna aggressively throw anyone's name out, but I really did not think that just saying, "Hey, hey, Rob," like I, I'm getting a good vibe from you. I'll let you know if your name comes yeah. up. That to me did not seem overly aggressive or like sinful, and so for that to be met with a little bit of resistance was strange and. Um, the it, it it was a situation where actually Gabler and Ellie both kind of reciprocated, but still just the energy around camp was very much everyone together all the time. We're just really enjoying ourselves and it was fun in a way, but I also had took a look around on the mat and I was nervous about our prospects of challenges. I really was was thinking like, okay, we have the oldest guy. Janine is probably the physically like smallest person. She's extremely strong, but just from like a mass standpoint, mm-hmm. she's not going to be like picking up the snake by herself. Um, and, you know, there's Ryan out there, there's Cody, there's some really athletic women. And I just, I was nervous about our chances. And it was really funny seeing the internet commentary too, when the photos came out, everyone said Baca was going to get absolutely destroyed. And those first two challenges we did. So it was really stressful just thinking like, we might get caught with our pants down here. And then we did. Yeah, but you only went to that one tribal council and, you know, we got to see, uh, you know, a lot of that because of the runtime of the first episode. So I feel like that we did like that one tribal council you went to pre-merge. You know, we got a pretty good understanding of what was going on there those first couple of days. And, and you were a little bit like on, on the ropes, uh, ultimately, that it's going to be uh, five votes for Mariah. But, you know, uh, Mar- Mariah and, you know, Sammy seemingly were talking about you. Yeah, they were. And I was a little surprised by that. I was not surprised Mariah was voting for me. I had kind of figured that out when we got back from the challenge. And at that point in the game, and for a while, I viewed Ellie as my number one person. Um, She reminds me actually of a very good friend of mine here. Her name's Jill. She's also a, she has a master's in social work. She's about to become a therapist and their energy levels. it, It felt like I had a friend out there. And, um, it was surprising in the edit, seeing her, it seemed like she was seriously considering it at least for a little bit. Um, but yeah, Sammy and I, he was right. We hadn't connected on a personal level quite as much. And I was felt very good about that trio of me, Ellie and Gabler. Actually, I thought that on paper, we were kind of an odd trio. I got good kind of straight shooter vibes from Gabler, obviously. And you saw after the first challenge where Ellie's telling him to not play his shot in the dark, I was right there as well. So I felt good about the three of us actually. Um, but yeah, I just had a funny feeling from Mariah, but 
it wasn't quite as simple as just challenge performance. But I, I just think with her, I just didn't have as much time to connect with her. We just kind of kept missing each other around camp. But it is what it is. So the whole thing with Gabler early on where he uh, is willing to kind of like fall on his sword, seemingly, he said, I'm going to play my shot in the dark. I mean, was that something that you uh, thought that maybe should have been given like a, a little bit more consideration of, hey, let's just get rid of Gabler? Because, you know, also he's going to start to be uh, like fading uh, pretty hard uh, physically in the early going. I don't know if that had happened quite yet uh, in those first couple of days. But is that something that you were thinking about? I Well, my first thought when he said that to us, when we had a little huddle after the challenge was that he was like, a production plant or something. I was like, who is this guy? Like, mm-hmm. what, like, what are you talking about? I, I could not wrap my head around the fact that someone would say that on the 43rd season of survivor. I was truly shocked. And uh, like I said, I had had a good connection with him. I feel like we were kind of this, like obviously very different people in our daily lives. And, and I was surprised. And I, I really loved, I, I love Mike Gabler. He's a, he's a great guy. So I wasn't super interested in getting rid of him. And it was this weird, it was hard because like you said, he was physically like deteriorating and he was getting dehydrated. He was getting tired, but he was also such a hard worker around camp. And I know that that gets discounted a lot in the modern survivor game. But when you're out there and you're just like sleeping in the sand with the crabs and fixing the shelter and everything, like he was busting his butt. So I felt like we did still need him at that early stage, but I was mostly just flabbergasted by that, just like that sentence coming out of his mouth. And um, <laughs> that, I guess, was a trend with him, which is me being confused. But um, yeah, it was it was very weird afternoon. Can you talk a little bit about everything that was going on at Baca in the pre-merge uh, with the whole situation between Ellie and Janine uh, versus Gabler? Because, you know, in watching it back now, there's five people once Mariah is gone. And it seemed like that you are really the person who is the swing vote in uh, that whole situation. And I think it was a spot where, you know, you didn't really uh, to us, at least at home, pick a side officially of uh, which way you were going. And I think the edit was pretty representative in that way. I certainly felt like I was in the middle and I felt very conflicted about what to do. Um, I started seeing the pattern of the women going out early and that was not necessarily something I was super pumped about. Um, A lot, actually, I would say like most of my close friends like here in New Orleans and in my life are women. And that was, I I did not want to form a bros alliance just for the sake of being bros, right? Um, but I also saw that it seemed like a more clear Ellie Janine pair than Owen, whereas me, Sammy and Gabler felt more like an even trio, even though I maybe felt less good about moving forward with them, just given how much of a wild card Gabler was and all that. So I was very conflicted and I I was a bit fancy fencerton about the whole thing. And, And I think that did not help me a lot. Um, just because then when the merge came around, like it just all imploded but to go back to the kind of the whole bag gate of it all i (laughs) i just can't believe that ellie and janine thought gabler was so stupid that he couldn't read his clue yeah like i was just like what like what is wrong he can read he can read and they're like no i don't think he's gonna look again i think i think it's fine i think people i was just like no he's gonna figure it out he's not a total moron and i i just could not figure out that they were underestimating him so much. So that should have been my sign to just cut bait and just be like, all right, like this is not going to work moving forward. If you, if you really believe that you've hoodwinked this guy into thinking that his parchment is wrong or something. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting, you know, in the pre-merge, you have Jesse over at Vessi, who's like, Hey, I feel like I'm in, I'm, I'm in the middle right now. Uh, It ends up being like a great spot for him. Carla, same thing. Like, I feel like I'm in the middle of everything right now. And, And here's you, you're in similar positioning on Baca, but for whatever reason, it didn't work as well for you. Have you given any thought to that? What what was the problem with being in the middle? That I I think part of the problem is like just the feud between Gabler and Ellie, like that implosion at the, uh, after the earn the merge challenge, I think that really, I don't want to say it ruined everything, but like that frustrated me a lot to think like, you know, we we viewed ourselves as the underdog tribe after we got destroyed in those first two challenges. We felt like we busted our butts 
to win, go on that winning streak and, and make it. And we felt like we had some good inroads with Noel and Dwight over on Vessi and you saw them help us on the puzzle. And I felt like we just threw it all away in a matter of two seconds, just because Gabler had this vendetta against Ellie. And I get it. Like he didn't want to move forward with her. He didn't trust her. Like, and obviously it worked out for him and that was his, like his big move. But to me, that just seemed foolish. It just, it just didn't make sense. And it felt like a waste of all the work we had put in over the past like week. Um, so no, I'm not putting all the blame on that. I think I should have been more, uh, just like direct about picking a side and like growing more trust because if it was so obvious to me and the viewers that I was riding the middle, I'm sure it was obvious to the other four people on Baca that I was kind of flipping and flopping. So it, it was hard just because that, that time lasted forever uh, in the pre-merge on Baca. Like we were just, it was just boiling, 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 like what's going to happen. And we just could only, there was only so much talking we could do about potential plans and they never ended up happening. And it, it was just a shame because I really felt good about both Ellie and Gabler, but it yeah. is what it is. Oh, and what would have happened if Baca would have gone to another tribal council before the merge? I would have wanted to get Janine out. Um, that was my plan. I did not trust her. I felt like Ellie and I had a closer relationship than Janine and I did. And obviously Ellie and Janine had a very tight relationship. Um, <clears throat> and so I, my target would have been Janine, but the guys really wanted to get Ellie and the, for Ellie and Janine, I think they would have wanted to get Gabler out. Um, and I don't know, I, if I had been able to convince Sammy and Gabler to go for Janine, I think that's what would have happened. Um, and actually at final tribal, Janine contended that I would have been the one that would have been voted out if we had lost again. But I do not think that's correct. Um, I think if anything, I would have uh, capitulated to the guys and voted out Ellie um, mm -hmm. if push came to shove. Um, but We'll, we'll never know for sure, but I, I felt like yeah. I was in a good spot to not go home. I just have one other pre-merge thing that I wanted to ask you about. When you had the chance to go to Shipwheel Island, um, mm -hmm. I went back and I, and I looked at how that played out. So uh, Baca is picking who gets to go. Uh, Baca picks <coughs> Noel. Baca mm -hmm. picks James. And then mm -hmm. you ultimately uh, volunteer to go out there. Was um, that something that was like premeditated? How did you end up being the person to go? Uh, Sammy and Ellie just pointed at me and they're like, you, you should go. And I was like, uh, okay, sure. Like I, it, it all happened so quickly. I, I was not expecting us to send someone stupidly. It just wasn't in my brain, but yeah, no, they just kind of pointed at me and were like, you want to go? And they had like, I, I don't know. I've asked Ellie about this since. And part of me was like, are you trying to set me up? Like, is this, are you trying to like be like, Oh, go, go. But they, she has framed it. Like I had been talking about wanting to dive off one of those structures and do a water challenge. And they're like, this is your day. You should go. And they tried to make it this like gift. But in the back of my mind, I really thought they were trying to set me up somehow. But that journey I thought was pretty important to kind of how my game played out. I got such a great yeah. feeling from both uh, both Noel and James on that. We got along really well. Noel was very open about what had happened on Vessi. And I just trusted her immediately. Like, I don't know if you've had the chance to talk with her, but she has this really real intensity about her that you can, it's not shocking at all that she's a professional athlete but she's also extremely kind and warm, but you can tell there's this like fire in her that is, is rare. Um, and then James and I just hit it off about food, honestly. Um, but when we got to the top, I, I knew since I was in the middle, I did not want to risk my vote. James was a little less immediate about giving it forward. So that did like ring some bells in my head, but eventually we thought this three could all link up. And, and once we do get to the merge, I, I can talk about how that fell apart too. Yeah. It's just a very interesting three uh, to go back and look at it. Like you, Noel and James uh, who are going to be really like the three key components of uh, the split tribal council where James <laughs> yeah. ends up going out of the game and that advantage that Noel ends up getting here uh, and ends up being the thing that ends up taking James out of the game. Mm -hmm. It is painfully ironic for him that 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 advantage is part of what sent him home. But um, <clears throat> I guess we can. Should we talk about that now that since we're on the topic or um, should we go more chronologically? Yeah. yeah why you bring him bring it up now since we're since yeah. we're here? Yeah. Why not? So we linked back up uh, at the when we had 13 people on the beach. We finally had a chance for just the three of us to talk. And what really set off a red flag for me was 
we were talking about working together. We're like, oh, way, hey, we all made it. This is exciting. And James said, like, yeah, we could work together for a couple votes. Mm-hmm. I was like, eh? <laughs> a couple votes. Like I, I thought the three of us were like rocking and rolling here. Like what's a couple votes? What? And <clears throat> he really, he has a sense explained it to me post game that he did not want to feel like he was like locking us into anything and like pressuring us to stay with him. But to me, it read as I'm going to use you two as numbers to, you know, further the cocoa agenda and then cut you two. So that was really where things went off the rails. And it's it's ironic because I think if James and I played together, like if you ran the simulation a hundred times, we would land on the same page more often than not. Um, but just for whatever reason, that that line of, yeah, yeah, we could work together for a couple, that really just set off a huge alarm bells for me. So that, that kind of set the stage for the final 10 uh, dramatics. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Let's talk about uh, everything that happens here at the merge where uh, I'm sure that you could not have ever imagined how sideways things were going to go uh, between the whole uh, Baca Grand Canyon, as you put it mm-hmm. in the next episode, uh, ends up forming here or yeah. ends up being I mean- revealed here very very revealed very huge invitation from gabriel like look we all hate each other like just come on in and yeah i'm i don't need to rehash what i all said already but yeah it was just so disappointing i remember coming back from a walk and heading back to the camp i'm like okay here we go like and ellie and sammy are talking on the path and ellie just turns to me and goes you i need to talk to you and I felt like the Donald Glover pizza meme, like walking into the burning room. I was just like, what? Mm-hmm. and she's like, you guys told Gabler. I looked her in the bag. I was like, no, the no, no. Didn't do it. And then the rest of the afternoon, we, I had to go on damage control and I was really, really trying to save Ellie um, to a fault. And, and that's the thing. I think part of what went wrong with my game was that I was a little too loyal. I was a little too trusting, like in, in my like pregame, like how three words to describe yourself, loyal was one of my words. And I I think that that loyalty to Ellie, the loyalty to Dwight, I think I don't regret it because that's kind of, I like them a lot. And I felt like a very equal partner strategically with them. But if I had been more willing to cut bait when everything was falling apart, I think it could have put me in better positions in the game. But with Ellie, it's just, I, I really tried to like get her name out of the mud, but the, the damage had been done. Yeah, that's uh, very interesting because I feel like um, 
you're saying for a future Survivor player, for the future Owen who is watching uh, this podcast, that uh, you feel like that being more self-interested is ultimately the better way to go? Because ultimately, the, these things that are going to put you into the bad position, they weren't necessarily your mistakes that you were making, but you were aligned with people who might have been making uh, some mistakes. That's a really good way to put it. And yeah, I think I should have been more willing to just really just separate my feelings from the, the realization of the, the board I was seeing. And I, I don't regret it again. I'm going to say that again. I don't regret choosing the sides I chose, but I think I could have been more objective. And I think one of my fears going into the game was like, I am, you know, as, as was discussed on the show, I'm a perfectionist. I take myself a little too seriously sometimes and it can lead. I knew in survivor that could lead to paranoia very quickly. So if anything, I think I was too trusting, you know, you saw Jesse got the better of me a couple of times. Like I wanted to trust people because if I went in being on edge, like, Ooh, what's he doing? What's he doing? I would drive myself crazy. So I, I think for future survivor players, you, you can still be trustworthy and still be a good Alliance member while still putting your best interests first. So on the Ellie vote uh, going into it, were you confident that sort of like, uh, sure, the Baca like fractures had been revealed, but did you feel like that they had been repaired adequately or were you very worried going into that vote? I, I, was, I was not super worried. I really thought we could just put it aside for a second just so we could get a better stranglehold on the numbers. And I knew we were going to have to deal with it later. I knew it was going to come up. I knew it wasn't solved forever. But I thought everybody could be objective enough to just say like, hey, we work this hard to keep the numbers. Let's let's take out a cocoa and then we'll have a command more commanding lead and then we'll have more flexibility and then we can duke it out. But obviously that is not what happened. OK, so when Ellie ends up going home there uh, now, you know, your reaction to that, you know, is well documented uh, in the episode. And you talk about how, you know, the whole every everybody can see that that Grand Canyon. Um, it's interesting. Uh, the name of that next episode is uh, called uh, Bull in the China, China Shop. Shop, which is one of your quotes referring to uh, your impression of Gabler. Yeah. I mean, I, again, from day day three, when he told us he was going to follow in his sword to revealing to everyone that Ellie had gone through his bag, it really was like, I, I just could not wrap my head around it. There was a confessional I actually gave that he said, I said, Gabler has the social nuance of a hippopotamus. And I really loved that one because it made all the camera people laugh. But ultimately, he got the last laugh, obviously, because he won off of an amazing social game. But that I, I I honestly I I love that he won in many ways just because it, it just throws the playbook out the window. Like he's doing all these things that make on paper like what the hell are you doing? Yeah. But it worked. Like he really was able to build those one-on-one -on -one relationships. But for me at the time, especially after the Ellie Ellie went home, I was just like, what is going to happen next? Like what thing is gonna make him just throw someone under the bus? And you know, you, you can I, I think he had this like I don't want to say luxury, but I, I think he played into the him. He, he knew everyone thought of him just as a kooky older guy. Right. Like and he could kind of like lean into it. And he actually has some great stories about there were days where he'd be intentionally like not rub his sunscreen in and like be like, oh, what's happening? Or there's a day he was chopping a coconut and he like missed it like three times in a row on purpose just to screw with us. And he, he I think he played into that role very, very well. But it scared me. It scared me. And you saw me talk to Dwight about my my hesitancy to move with him long term. Yeah. You know, with Gabler um, and being such a different type of winner that we had on the show. I mean, you were I, I felt like that the person who really embodied sort of like the meta survivor player going and being out there on the show. In, in a way, do you feel like that that kind of uh, maybe hurt you in that, you know, everybody is like a super duper fan that comes out to play. And so, you know, you know, like the exact like things to be doing, like by the book in all these different situations. And it's almost like uh, that. OK, well, maybe the person who is like the antithesis of the by the book survivor player ends up being <laughs> a person who ends up having success against people who are really playing it by the book. Yeah. And I, I, like I said, I love that. I think it's great that 
the the textbook way or and I certainly didn't play a textbook game, but theoretically I should know like what to do. I've been list I, I don't even know how many hours I've listened to you talk, Rob. Like, well, we appreciate that, I, Owen. Yeah. Thank you. Um and it's just it I, I think it speaks to just how really it is a social experiment and how the show I mean, you've seen with with all 41 winners, they're all so different. And it's it's amazing. But for me, it really going out there, I knew like I, I didn't I never wanted to say this in confessional because then everyone would be like, oh, he's such a douche. But I knew I'd be kind of <laughs> so, I knew I'd be kind of one of the people that people would look at as a potential winner. Like I, I thought that that mm-hmm. could be the case. And based on like what I've seen and when the cast got revealed, like I wasn't insane for thinking that. Yeah. But I knew I wanted to kind of lower my threat level and keep shields around me. And I, I had these visions of what I should do. And then all these wrenches get thrown in and. It, yeah. it forced me to pivot. And I think I did a good job being able to make it to the end. But unfortunately, I wasn't able to get as much of a hold strategically as I wanted to. Tell me about how you got so close to Dwight, because seemingly you had uh, very little interaction. And it seemed like that you and Dwight had a very good bond, seemingly off of just vibes. Yes, yeah, huge, hugely off of vibes. And actually in the in the little short pregame before we got out there, we did sit near each other. Um, so I would see him and I, I just like his energy. And um, Gabler really talked up Dwight after their journey together. He's like, Dwight, he's a great kid. He's super smart. I love that guy. Like we should really work with him. And then he helped us on the puzzle. He was actually the one after the third challenge when I went on the journey, we looked over at Vessi and Dwight was saying, Noel, Noel, like send Noel. And he was mouthing it to us. So I felt like we had, he had thrown us a bone. We had thrown him a bone. We had come into this place where we could trust each other to a degree as much as anyone could from a cross tribal perspective. And I just like the guy. He's obviously one of the most brilliant people I've ever met, but he's so funny. We share a similar sense of humor. He's plugged in with kind of a lot of the meme humor I enjoy. And we like some of the same video games and, yeah, I, I loved him personally. And then the main thing strategically why I kind of chose him over James was that I felt that Dwight really was giving me a seat at the table and was listening to what I was saying. And we were talking through plans together. Whereas there was one instance, I think before the Dwight vote, where James had me and Sammy aside and he said, you two vote with us, us three and my people were going to vote for Dwight. And I was like, who are your people? What are the numbers? He's like, don't worry about it. I, we're fine. And so that's obviously why I chose to stay with Dwight because James was just kind of telling me this is happening, mm-hmm. get on board, whereas Dwight was really talking out the plan with me. But yeah, Dwight's amazing. I, yeah. I love him. So, okay, um, just getting into this vote where Dwight goes home, you actually uh, in the Ellie vote had written down James's name. Uh, mm-hmm. You ultimately are going to have like uh, issues with James from this point on in in the game. Did you have any sort of like a conversation with him about like, hey, uh, this was a misunderstanding, like I, I we can fix this? Or was it just like he saw his name down and then it was kind of done between you two? More of the latter, for sure. Um, we actually that who did I think I lied and said I voted for Ellie because there was mm-hmm. so much confusion after that first vote because it, well, it was four people who ended up getting votes that night. And there were a couple of hinky votes and backup and shot in the dark plays. And it, it makes the math very hard to follow. So there was a lot of confusion as to what happened. Was so there I, a shot I did, in the dark play? Or, uh, no, no, okay. just, just like as insurance in Got case it. Ellie played hers. Got um, it. But then both sides were playing insurance votes. I, I don't even know how the Cassidy vote ended up getting out there. But no, James and I did not talk after that. So that that is part of one of the reasons. I eventually let it slip when we were in the middle of fighting at the final 10 I was like, I did vote for you. And that's why he he brought that up mm-hmm. when he did in that episode. Okay. Um, but no, after Ellie went home, I did not. Tell so, him. all right. While you and, and Dwight are, you know, working on this Baca Vesey thing, um, what you don't realize is that the seven ends up coming together where Jesse and Cody and Sammy slip away and go and start to vote with Coco. In hindsight, mm-hmm. were there any sort of like warning signs uh, that uh, potentially something else was going on that uh, the Vesey Baca group was missing? Yes, there were. And um, actually before tribal, I did tell, tell Dwight that I had a funny feeling, but what really should have set off alarm bells for me was that A, right before tribal, Sammy was talking with Cassidy and Carla, and B, 
I think it was Noel had told Cass and Carla the split split vote plan, and she's like, "You y'all should get on board." And then they joined as like the ninth and tenth votes, and I was like, "They would who would do that? Who would join a last minute plan against their own alliance and be the ninth and tenth people in on this plan? Like that just does not." make sense whatsoever. So I, I started getting nervous and I looked at Dwight right before tribal. I was like, bro, like, I think I, I, I'm, I'm a little nervous. Like I'm getting a funny feeling. He's like, yeah, I am too. But little did I know he had given Jesse the idol. Like, mm-hmm. I really think, I, I don't know what would have happened because if he say Dwight still has it, if he plays it, do I go home? I think I, I don't remember if I had gotten votes, but anyway. So, he, um, Dwight- so that it was seven votes for Dwight and then it was Ryan and James that were uh, okay. votes. So uh, okay. well, we should have played the idol then. <laughs> Damn it, Dwight. <laughs> I think there were three votes for Ryan. So Ryan would have gone home. Son of a gun. But yeah, no, that was, um, I, I, that was just such a galaxy brained foolish decision to go for the extra like really, we just overcomplicated that for no reason. And I mean, props to Jesse for being so tr- trustworthy that he he just got the idol handed to him in the back. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, now, once again, okay, Dwight has gone home, and now this is two votes in a row here uh, where things have really not gone your way. Uh, how are you feeling uh, now at this point, where you know the merge has completely just been a disaster so far? I am not feeling great. And this is where they, they bring up my backstory and, you know, they relate it to the game. And I, I was feeling very distraught. Um, And this, this speaks again to the kind of like the meta-ness of my survivor knowledge, but like literally right before we had left, I had seen the statistic about like winners and voting correctly at the merge and that like, you know, 85% of them, vote correctly at the merge or something like that. I'm misquoting, but that was like very much at the front of my mind. That was like one of the last things I'd seen. And I was like, no, it's gone so bad. And like, I was laughing about it a bit. It's like, man, I better recover. And then the Dwight vote goes wrong. And then I'm just feeling really on the outs. And it was hard because Janine and I are just working our butts off, trying to get something together. We're really trying to work with Carla and Cassidy get the women together to take out Ryan was my goal there. And I wish they had shown that a bit more, but I, God, it just felt like running into a brick wall. It was extremely frustrating. And this is when I'm starting to feel like I'm iced out and just no one's talking to me. And it, it started blurring the lines of the strategic frustration with the personal, just like, man, this just sucks. Like no one's talking to me. I feel like, like there was one moment I remember we were all sitting on the beach and I could physically like, feel like I was on the outside of this circle. And like, I, you know, I tried to sidle in and everything, but I could tell, um, there, there was some distance and it, Dwight was the one who told me actually people, and I won't throw anyone under the bus cause it's not personal and it's fine. But like the majority had come to a decision that they shouldn't talk to me. And so I, I was not off base for thinking that. And it just, it sucked. It was really a bummer. Yeah. And this is um, the point where everybody's going to have the chance to uh, volunteer to sit out of the challenge for food. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, James says to you before the challenge, um, hey, protected. you're protected. You're good. And, and this and and that seemed to really annoy you. And to the yes. point where, you know, I don't know, was that extra motivation for you to win immunity? Um. I maybe so. I mean, I was mad for sure. And I, I, Ryan actually, bless him. He had floated out that my name had come up. So I knew I was in some danger. Um, but I want to, I wanted to win all the challenges. Like yeah. I, I think ultimately it was kind of irrelevant. I was very pleasantly surprised with myself with how I performed in challenges, but I wanted to three immunity wins. win them all. Yeah. I, hmm? Three immunity wins. Three immunity wins. Yes. I, I was really, I, I wanted to do the best I could in those and I never was going to sit out, but yeah, it felt like I, I'm in the middle of watching the Sopranos for the first time. And, um, hello to your dog, Carmela. But, mm-hmm. um, I, God, I just really, the, you're protected. It, it brought up the like protection money and the, you know, the whole mafioso gameplay of it all. And I was like, what are you going to break my kneecaps, Tony? Like, come on. Like, what are you protecting me from? Like, I, I really, really just did not sit right with me. Um, so yeah, that was, I mean, you saw my reaction when I won, I like threw my pole in the air. Like I was really hyped up, but, um, did poor Janine. Like I just, this is where I started really getting extra frustrated with the game too, because not only did I feel on the outs and whatnot, 
I just thought it was boring. Like you're going to vote out the woman who you just took out her closest ally. You flushed her idol and she has nothing. And you're going to do a nine to two vote on her. Like, I just thought that was kind of like boring and, and just kind of weak gameplay. I get it. You're advancing yourself. And if I was in the majority, I'd probably feel differently about it. But as someone who's like, let me in, like, I was just like, come on, like you can do something a little bit more spicy than that. But at the same time, uh, going back to I'm sure you are just trying to now uh, put your game back together at these tribal councils. You're talking about how like, hey, I don't care if I have a seat on the bus that has gum underneath it Mm -hmm. or the worst seat. I I just just uh, tell me who to vote for. And I want to be in, in the group that moves forward. Yeah. Yeah. I by that time, I had seen the writing on the wall that nobody was budging and it was going to be Janine and there was nothing I could do about it. So um, it was actually Sammy and Gabler warned me right before. So mm-hmm. this they, they showed it a little bit out of order. But the James and Sammy conversation happened two minutes before Tribal at the well where he looked at me and said, it's going to be Ryan. And then I talked to Gabler. And he's like, I'm hearing Janine. And then right as we're like sealing up our bags to go, Sammy's like, it's Janine, it's Janine. And so... Um, yeah, they, that's when I knew, but I, I was sad. I, it's not what I wanted, but I did want to get into the majority. But then for whatever reason, I was like, no, I voted wrong. So I, we talked about this a little bit in the exit. And I think it stemmed from not wanting to blow up Gabler and Sammy. And it stemmed from wanting to keep them thinking they had me where they wanted me. And since James had told me to vote for Ryan... I was pretending I did. And still, in, in hindsight, I'm like, what, why, what are you doing? And it was just confusing to try to figure out what was best to do there. Okay. Um, but I saw an opportunity to try to like lie low and just stay out of their mind, potentially. So you've talked a little bit about how uh, you and Noel really came up with this plan to ultimately take out James uh, when you were on uh, this split tribe. Uh, with were you just uh, ecstatic for, you know, you've had such bad luck all in a row, but now you end up in this group of five with Sammy, who you've been with from the beginning and Noel that you have something going with and uh, mm-hmm. you see this opportunity. Yes, I was thrilled when we pulled out the blue and red rocks and we, we had the numbers. And then it was stressful when Carla won the challenge and like, uh oh, because prior to her winning, it would be a very straightforward steal one of their votes, split two, two. And then maybe she flushes her idol as well. Um, so I'd been thinking on the whole the whole ride to the Vesey Beach about what to do. And I had this great plan and I was ready to tell them about it. And then the whole fight happens. And that set a very weird stage. Like I was, my original plan was to play dead and be sad and think I'm, I'm in trouble, but (laughs) it ended up being a lot more dramatic than that for for no reason. See, I had thought the the fight was part of the plan. I thought that like, Oh, like, okay, this is, he's basically like, uh, gonna, he's pulling James in to want to vote for him. That, I mean, that that's very generous. I definitely did want him to vote for me and I felt safe with Noel and I trusted her a lot, but no, I did not have the, the vision for the afternoon going that way. I, I more so was going to just, I knew he was going to vote for me anyway. I was just planning on just like kind of waving the white flag almost and just, and just playing dead. But yeah, yeah it, we got a little bit better television out of it than that though. So I'll, but I'll take it. The really, the amazing thing, the amazing part of all this uh, for me is that you had to hold Noel's advantage for mm-hmm. her uh, because James saw the knowledge is power. So as this added protection against the knowledge of power, you were holding Noel's advantage. How did you get it back to Noel without James seeing? I had it in my shoe at tribal council. I was wearing my Chacos. I have my tennis shoes right next to me on the ground between us. And he knew, I guess he knew I had it. And that's, they, there was more conversation than was shown in the episode, but they're all looking and James is like, are you going to do it? Cause he was go, he, he wanted Noel to steal my vote. Otherwise he was going to play his knowledge is power. And they felt he thought they were in cahoots together, the two of them. And obviously they would want to save the knowledge is power for future use. So he essentially, he watched me take it out of my shoe and hand it to Noel. And I was like, I trust you. I was like, look at me. And like, mm-hmm. we knew the plan, but James just thought I had been fooled. He thought I you guess, were being handing it over. Yeah. 
Yeah, okay. he thought I was being duped. And people made fun of my acting after Noel uh, stole my vote. And they were like, oh, and my God, you got to like play into it a little bit more and look a little more upset. But I uh, I was too excited. I, I don't know. My, my acting chops were not up to par that day. Okay. Um, so you were probably feeling pretty good after pulling this off. Uh, but ultimately, uh, the rug's going to get pulled out again uh, because now Noel is going to uh, go home after you had gone uh, with her to go and uh, get the letters from everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, you and she seem to be uh, concerned about, uh, you know, Carla and Cassidy uh, were, mm-hmm. the, you know, the, the remaining members of Coco. Yeah, I was I was much more concerned about Carla. Um, I thought she was very, very like strategically and socially dangerous. Cass and I had a good personal relationship as well that they didn't really show much. I know a lot of people were surprised at how close we've ended up being. Um, so I, I had my eyes set more on Carla. And yeah, that vote was just that was just so depressing. That was sad. And just like just such a heel turn from her winning that challenge and going on the pizza party and everything. It just I'd really <laughs> finally I felt like I had something going and then and then it didn't. But um, yeah, Carla, I viewed as as very uh, I saw her and James as as the drivers of Coco. And I think James got more of the credit and, and I viewed him as more threatening just because he was the one more communicating with me and wheeling dealing a bit. So she did a really good job kind of hanging back and still more quietly behind the scenes uh, doing it. But that made me even more scared of her socially. OK, you obviously became close with Cassidy towards uh, the end of the game. At what point did that relationship really start to be uh, really uh, formed as something that could be uh, a a real strategic partnership? Strategically relevant. Yeah. Yeah. So that started after, um, after Noel went home that night, Gabler pulled me aside and he had actually tried to warn me before tribal. It was raining that afternoon and he had to go on a walk right before tribal and He was trying to get me out of the shelter to get a bottle of water with him, but it would have been way too suspicious because it was like dumping rain and he was trying to tell me it was going to be Noel. So he apologized about it. He told me he was trying to get me and he said, I have a plan to get to the final three and it's you, me and Cass. And I was like, oh, cool. I like Cass. That's great. And and you saw I was also like, just take me, dude, like whatever. Um, so I, I was happy just that someone wanted to keep me around because I, I thought I was going to be next. Like I thought I was cooked after Noel went home. So I was really happy to hear that. At the same time, it seems like uh, this is like the beginning of you getting into at least some sort of like a strategic partnership with Jesse. Uh, Jesse. He's going to come mm-hmm. to you and start to give you, uh, you know, feed you uh, information about uh, the Sammy vote and ultimately the Cody vote next. Yes. And Jesse did a great job playing into what I needed to hear. He's like, man, I don't know why they're leaving you out of so many votes. And I was like, yeah, they are. Even though he was one of the ones who's been flipping on me. So props to Jesse for, for empathizing with me and seeing what I needed to hear. But yeah, our vision was to move forward um, with the four of us taking control at the seven there. And then me, Cass and Gabler all knew we can't sit with Jesse at the end. Um, But yeah, the Sammy vote, Sammy lost my trust at the James vote when he told Carla the plan before Mm -hmm. tribal, because she could have played her idol on James and I would have gone home. So that's when I said, Sammy's relationship with Carla is more important to him than me. And so that's when Sammy lost my trust totally. And in hindsight, maybe I should have tried harder to keep him around. But in the back of our mind, too, was the fact that he could start a fire in like two seconds. So um, that that was not not relevant to the decision as well. But maybe I should have kept him around since no one trusted him. But I I knew that wasn't going to last much longer. But uh, yeah, Jesse, Jesse was integral to the night and game for sure. So did you have like one plan in particular that you were like most trying to execute on at this point? Where is it? Is it the Gabler Cassidy uh, yourself uh, thing? Is that what you had like the most stock in at this point? Yes, 100 percent. I knew that that was really my only chance at having a shot to win. Right. Like I knew how my game had gone. I knew that. You know, they people would want to see your resume or more strategic decisions being part of someone's survivor path. And I I didn't think people took Gabler seriously. Obviously, you saw my reaction after he won. And Cass, like I I didn't see I didn't see her as the most threatening person of the Coco three. 
So maybe other people would. So I felt like I had the best fighting chance against them too. Um, I was still apprehensive about whether I would win or not, obviously, but I thought it was my best shot for sure. Okay. Um, can you talk a little bit about uh, your part in the Cody vote? Yeah, that was, uh, that was, that was such a beautiful plan coming together. And I wish I had a, a larger role in it. And so Jesse came to me and you saw, he said, this is trust. I have Cody's idol. We're going to play it. We're going to flush the idols. I'm like, this is brilliant. And actually I had a chance and I wish I had thought of it because he had said, I'm going to play the idol on myself and then maybe Carla will play hers. And that's when I should have said, Oh, play it on me. But it just, I did, didn't, I didn't think about that yet. And I guess I, I wasn't sure who Carla was voting for yet, but I had fun that day because I, I was acting and I had to kept like changing roles as to like, Oh, Carla, I'm so sad. Like, let's take out Gabler, please, please. And then Cody, I had to act all hyped up that we were taking out Carla. Um, but then the last minute shenanigans with Cody asking for his idol back. That's when I should have said, okay, Cass Gabler, Jesse lost the idol. Like who knows what's going to happen. Let's vote for him. Um, that is my one thing that I think I should have done that would have put me in a better position to potentially win. And it sucks that I didn't think of it at the time. Um, but I stand by, and I said this in our exit, so I won't take forever yeah. on this, but I, I just given what I knew then, like Jesse didn't have that huge move yet. Like it's, it, he was willing to work with me and Cody was so threatening and challenges. Like I don't blame myself for not thinking of it, but that is a very clear point where I could have taken control a little bit more, but and it's the way she goes. You're working closely with Gabler at this point. And then for, you know, from like the, uh, you know, Carla perspective of like, Oh, it's going to be Owen, Owen versus Gabler. Like, uh, like on the side, are you and Gabler? Like, uh, like we're good. Like, uh, everybody thinks that they're getting there. We're, we're being played. We're not yeah. going home tonight. Yes, we were feeling very, very good. Yes, yeah. we were laughing a lot. We were like, oh man, this is exciting. Like it was, it was awesome. But actually something about that vote that I'm not sure how many people know, Gabler actually didn't know that Jesse had Cody's mm -hmm. idol. Yeah. That was part of the plan. And I know, I, oh wait, I guess Jesse did talk about this, but yeah. that was part of the plan that um, we didn't tell him because he had accidentally the day prior almost told Sammy that we were splitting the votes on him. Like he asked Sammy who he was, who he was voting for that day. He's like, Carla, obviously. And so we were a little nervous of telling Gabler about the idol in case it slipped out. And I think that's when I said the hippopotamus thing. And that is also what ended up surprising me a bit about how many votes Gabler ended up getting, because I thought that we didn't trust him enough to tell him the plan or we were nervous. And it's not that I didn't trust him, but we were just nervous that it might slip out if we told him. Am I making sense here? Yes. Um, yeah. So, all right. At the final five, uh, ultimately, you have like a, you know, classic Owen um, up and down misadventure of that. Carla happens to, you know, sneak out from under you, even though you played Wordle all the time and gets, <laughs> gets the advantage. But you ultimately uh, win the immunity challenge. Um, you, uh, you pick Cassidy to go on the, on the reward. Anything else from the final five that you want to highlight? Not really. I was just so excited to win that challenge. Cause at this point I saw my vision as winning final five, winning final four, taking the necklace off, beating Jesse and fire. I saw that as my one shot to potentially win the game. So and you would have like, yes, done, done that. Yeah. I, I think I would have beat Jesse and fire. And mm -hmm. I think I would have gotten some yeah. votes. I don't know if I would have won, but yeah, I think I would have okay. beat Jesse, but yeah. Well, let's just talk a little bit about the final tribal council a, a little bit more. And, you know, of course, like we see such a cut down version of it. It goes on so much longer. So well, what are some other things from the final tribal council that re really stand out to you as being important? Yeah, well, I rewatched it yesterday and it, it's hard. It's hard. It's still hard to watch. And I think I've processed it and I'm much better than when I first saw it. I was kind of guys, what, what's that. the hard part about it? The hard part for me is like, I felt pretty good about my final tribal leaving. And, you know, even some of like the, the field producers or whatever they said, they, they like, you did so great. Like I would have voted for you. So I felt very good leaving the show and thinking about it for the past few months, but then watching, I was like, ah, like, come on, man. Like have a little, uh, come on. Like, I, I think I, I was on the wrong side of the line between self-awareness and self-deprecation. I think I could have been a bit more kind to myself and pumped up my game more. And, 
it's just, it is hard to watch because I do regret. And do I think it'll change the outcome? Ultimately, no, I don't. So I can still sleep at night. I don't feel like I totally screwed up to the point where it forced me to lose. Yeah. But I think I could have garnered a vote or two if I'd answered a couple questions differently. Um, and in real time, I think I did a better job than what the edit maybe showed. But ultimately, the tone was a lot like sadder than I remember it being. <laughs> Yeah, this is a very good point, though, because I feel like that, like, uh, look, I, I, I love uh, self-deprecation. Uh, it's a big part of this podcast. And, you know, I think it oh, plays, yeah. gr plays great on a podcast, uh, confessional. Um, but I do feel like that the final tribal council, it's almost the time for the opposite of self-deprecation. It's almost like, uh, you know, it, it's the time to, you know, make, make yourself sound e even better than you actually might have been. Yes. If there's any time for gravitas and a performance and really hyping yourself up, it is final tribal. And I, I don't know why I, I, I knew the jury wouldn't respect me though. And I, I think that's where I, I convoluted things. It's like, I, I knew the jury wouldn't respect me if I tried to make my game sound more impressive than it was, but I should have spoke impressively about the game I had, if that yeah. makes sense. Yes. Like, yes. I needed the gusto behind a winning final tribal with the self-awareness of a very lackluster game. And I ended up just miscalculating there. And it is what it is. I, I, I can still sleep at night. It's fine. But yeah, watching it back is tough. But what people didn't see, like it's, I, I, I think I, I described it as word salad with you when we talked yeah. after the finale. And it was, it, it was a journey for sure. It was probably close to two and a half, maybe three hours. I don't know for sure, obviously, but there was there were some very meandering answers, and I think from Gabler. you know, and I, I from Gabler in particular, yes. Yeah. And um, I know I have fanned the flames a little bit, and I just want to say first of all, like please just drop it, like leave Jesse and Carla alone. Like this, there's, there's a lot of people on the jury. Everyone's entitled to their vote, and and Gabler deserved the win. I do think though, Cassidy played a winning game that could have won a lot of seasons of Survivor. I think multiple things can be true. I think her game was very good. It was under the radar, all of that. But I think just like the way the like round table or whatever it was, and obviously I wasn't there, but I think they were waiting for certain sentences or buzzwords or phrases or yeah. like they had this rubric and this checklist and they're just waiting, waiting, waiting. And they're willing to listen to a very long answer, but then they hear the thing and it checks the box. At least that's my perception of it. And again, I'm, I'm okay with the result. It's fine. But just I, I think that the whole roundtable discussion, I don't I don't love it personally. I, I it's I don't know. I, I mean, we've seen three seven one zeros in a row. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily think that's a coincidence. And for whatever reason, I I don't know if this is true. And this is just my perception. So any jurors listening, please don't think I'm coming at you personally. But I think there's this like desire to vote for the winner, right? You don't want to vote wrong at final tribal, even yeah. though like there is no wrong answer. And I don't know, it's, it's, it's kind of a bummer. It's interesting. I think that the times that it has worked the best, it has been when there is like, you know, um, a, a champion or an advocate of like uh, the different outcomes that is sort of like, you know, uh, like working the campaign and there's kind of like two sides of an issue and that debate. But like a lot of times we do see it being uh, so lopsided. Was there anybody that you were really surprised that uh, they didn't write your name down? Yeah, no, Noel is the main one that I was surprised about. Like, I, I really thought um, she, we, you know, we had worked so closely together. We had a good personal relationship. I would carry her leg around all the time. We co-planned the James vote. And yeah. bless her, she, the edit did not show my involvement in the the ideation of that. But she gave me credit in her post game because um, we literally finished each other's sentence when we were talking about it. Um, and she, you saw like even maybe to a fault, she was really championing me and answering and kind of tossed me a couple softballs. And actually Ryan also stood up for me a lot during final tribal. And I'll always love him for that. Um, he, he really pumped me up in certain ways. And I thought he might respect the, the, challenge wins and all of that. And I knew he didn't really care for Cassidy, um, but I knew he and Gabler were close to, but yeah, if there was one, I thought, um, I thought Noel and then maybe Janine, maybe Sammy. Mm -hmm. um, so I thought uh, maybe I could get one to three in a best case scenario, but wasn't, wasn't going to happen. Yeah. Now, Owen, you've had so much time now to reflect on, you know, your experience and, you know, you knew the outcome when you were there and then ultimately have gotten to watch it. 
that do do you have any you know uh feelings about like uh this this whole experience now uh looking back it was something that you you wanted so badly and then and then you got it uh and and now how do you feel about the whole thing i feel great about the whole thing thank god like i i knew i would be so crushed if i had gone out first and i i felt like i was like I had gotten lucky in that I wasn't first booed after that, that Mariah tribal council. And so I, I felt so fortunate to be there every single day. And then through the viewing, like the producers giving me so many confessionals and giving me the fun, like production tricks and the name in the credits and the advantage checklist. And I, I really was one of the main narrators of the season. And I'm so, so thankful to them for that and, and getting to share my story and the adoption story in a very like tasteful way. I felt, um, the, it lived up to every expectation. And I knew you only have a one in 18 chance of winning going in. And so to make it to the final three, to make it the whole way, to make some lifelong friends out of this, I would do it again in a heartbeat. And I am just so I could not be happier with it, honestly. And I think losing and, and the aftermath and all that, like I'm very at peace with everything. I actually, when Jeff was walking down with the urn, I looked at her and I said, I'm at peace. Like I'm good. And, you know, there've been some bumps on the road just with emotions getting wounds, getting reopened over the viewing, but um, it's, it's been tremendous. And the support from my friends and my family and, and from the, the podcast community as well has, has been awesome. So no, I don't regret it for a second. I'm, I'm so glad I got to play. And uh, I think I did the best I could. And I think I, I pivoted. I think I adjusted when I needed to. And, and I was true to myself. I think the edit that was shown and my friends have told me this as well. It's like it, it captured me in a very real way. So I'm I a I'm lovable curmudgeon, a lovable curmudgeon. Exactly. Although I don't think you're that much of a curmudgeon. No, I don't. I don't think I am. I mean, my fiance might say differently, but Shout I think in general, I, yeah, yeah, I will. I'll tell her hello. For you. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I, I think it, it got a lot of, of me and how I can be hard on myself and how I am loyal and I can be strategic in times. And it's, it was fun. It was yeah. really fun. Rob. You wore your heart on your sleeve. We got to know, uh, the real you and we got to see, you know, uh, the, all the highs and lows of your experience. You, you really did. I'm yeah, I got, you got to see it all. And it, it, it felt like me watching it back. It felt like me, which was super cool. You were even recognized by Sia as yeah. being somebody who was a that? Sia award worthy winning player. That was, that was wild. I actually thought I was going to get in trouble. So, um, they, to set up the call, you know, they reached down they're like, Hey, can you hop on a call soon? And I was like, uh Oh, they're going to yell at me for telling Dalton Ross F the after show. (laughs) 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 I really thought my goose was cooked. And then all of a sudden I hear this Australian accent on the call and I didn't want to be like, Sia, is that you? (laughs) But that's, it was shocking. That was really, really cool. And I'm so thankful to Sia. Um, and yeah, it, it ended up, it's, it's just amazing. It's so, so grateful. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, Owen, thank you so much for, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, coming, uh, back and, and talking a little bit more about your experience. And, uh, of course it's, uh, you know, I, I was, you know, very proud of the, the game that you played, you know, coming out of, uh, this like, uh, w- crazy world of RHAP. And so I just, uh, you know, think you did uh, r- a really, really great job. And I was so happy that you got this experience. Thanks, Rob. I really appreciate that. Like I, I knew going in, I had a very like Jacob Derwian floor <laughs> and I, I was scared it was going to go horribly wrong and we'd have another patron really uh, not do so hot, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm very proud and I'm yeah. so thankful. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it was great. And so thank you for all your advice over the years. And I, I hope I, I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that. That means a lot. Okay. Oh, and anything else you want to tell people to check out while you're here? No, I mean, um, I guess, yeah, if you ever want to reach out on Twitter, I'm Tulane Owen on Twitter. Shout out to Tulane Football, Cotton Bowl Champions. Very exciting season for us. Yes. And then uh, I'm the Young Knight on Instagram. And uh, yeah, no, I just, I I hope to be, and I plan to be uh, involved in the community in the future. As everyone knows, I love the show so much. I love your community. I love meeting fans. And it's just, it's been so fun. So I hope to see everyone in the future uh, on a podcast or in real life. Okay, Owen, uh, thank you again so much. I will talk to you soon. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. With 
With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.